I'm Sarah Hooper. And I'm Arika Smith. You're listening to Contraindicated, a podcast dedicated to rethinking the systems that perpetuate health injustice. This program has been made possible by the UCSF UC Hastings Consortium on Law, Science, and Health Policy. In this episode, we learn about UCSF's California Preterm Birth Initiative and how the organization's research centers people with lived experience through their community advisory board and the use of community-based participatory research methods. We are delighted to welcome my colleagues, Alexis Cobbins and Chanel Williams. Alexis is the Executive Director of the California Preterm Birth Initiative. She holds a Master's in Social Work and worked previously for the Black Infant Health Program. Chanel is the Director of Community Engagement and Partnerships at the initiative. She is also the President of the Board of Trustees of the City College of San Francisco and is on the board of the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. Alexis and Chanel, we're delighted to welcome you to Contraindicated. I'm delighted to be working with both of you. It's great to include you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Really happy to be here. Let's jump right into this. I I wanted to start with you, Alexis. I want to hear about your experience with research and the role community has traditionally played. Okay. Well, I think um, my first entree into research. Um, For many years, I was working at the San Francisco Black Infant Health Program, where our task was to close the gap on the infant mortality rates in the Black community. I was the program manager there. When PTBI first started, they came to us um, to become partners because they knew that we were anchored in the Black community in San Francisco and trusted, and they wanted to engage community in research. So I had never even really thought too much about research, but we set up a session And they came to talk to community members about what research they wanted to be done and to prioritize research questions, which um, they had a process called the research prioritization for affected communities because PTBI recognized that um, the Black community was more impacted by preterm birth. So I think we had to plan the session. The PTBI staff at the time came to do it. Um, A couple of the clients didn't show up. I was pregnant at the time. So I was like, oh, I can just fill in. I'm a pregnant woman. So I just give my input. But I was really fascinated just by the process and the types of questions they were asking us. And they kind of helped coach coach us into making the things that we were putting out um, into more of a question. And so that was like, I was like, hmm, I I can kind of get with this research thing. Like, this is pretty cool. I had no context or experience with research beforehand um, in terms of me working at Black Infant Health and trying to do this stuff around infant mortality. No research group had ever reached out to us before. It was like there was no relationship between the community and research. Um, So later on, PTBI said, hey, we're going to start this community advisory board. Wanted to see if you or any folks you know working in the field are interested. And so I was like, I'm going to apply to that thing and see how it is to be a part of research. And so when I did that, I, I ended up being on the community advisory board at PTBI for three years and was just fascinated seeing all of the things that people were asking and some things like, why would you ask that? And other things were like, oh, wow, that's so great. And other things were like, that would be good if they consider the community in this, this and that way or if they have the community input. So that's kind of my story and how I got into this field. And then a couple of years down the line, um, PTBI was hiring for an associate director 
and I applied and got that job. So that's how I got into the research field. Also, by trade, I'm a social worker. We talked about research a little bit, but that's not traditionally what people think about when they think about a social worker. So even those types of like opportunities before PTBI, none of those type of opportunities ever came across my desk or my sphere. Before PTBI approached Black Infant Health, were you ever involved or engaged on a research level? Had you ever seen the community doing that, having that level of participation in in this work? Uh, I, absolutely not. I think, you know, my core understanding was that the Black Infant Health Program across the state really was a research project to see if we do these type of interventions, is that going to change the infant mortality rates in the Black community? But I think for us at the staff level who are performing direct service, the direct service staff, and then the clients themselves, that connection wasn't really made for us. It was like, Black babies are at risk of dying, do these things to lower the risk. Like that's kind of the messaging. And we weren't really talked to about the research part of this and how people were kind of trying to try things to see what stuck, which I find interesting that they wouldn't even make sure that the staff kind of understood or knew that at the direct service level. It was like, once I started moving up into upper management, I knew that, but it was still that research piece was being conducted at the state level. They weren't really engaging us any of that or thinking through solutions. And, you know, we have to do an annual report and report out our successes and challenges, which I'm sure they use to inform their next approaches or interventions, but we weren't engaged at all with the researchers. And is your sense that that's kind of common or uh, now that you're in kind of the research world more, is that your sense that there is this real disconnect between community and research? Or are you seeing more of that? Um, I think, yes, there's definitely been historically a big disconnect and still is a disconnect. Um, I think that our group has kind of started to pioneer making that connection with community and researchers. And what I'll say is there's maybe a new appetite, like a lot more people are coming to us to ask, how do I do this? How do I get this done? You all have been successful. What can I do? So there's a new awakening or a new interest in engaging community and research, but people are still at very early stages in that, not really knowing how to. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that this hasn't really happened before. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about how PTBI is forging this new approach? Um, well, luckily I have my co-guest here, Chanel, she's been here from the beginning, so I think that she probably could answer that. <laughs> well, thank you, Alexis. And it's just always great to hear about um, your journey into this work. And um, just to introduce myself, I'm currently the Director of Community Engagement and Partnerships for the California Preterm Birth Initiative. Um, we're nested at UCSF, and I started with PTBI when the initiative first kicked off, and we had a very small team of folks who were supporting our researchers at the initiative with community engagement. Um, I came to PTBI really as a community organizer and as a direct service provider and as someone who has been an advocate in the community for a number of years on a, in a number of um, arenas. And so I was approached about helping um, PTBI conduct research differently. And I was like, well, what does that mean? How do you conduct research differently? And I learned quickly that even though to me it seemed pretty um, intuitive to really go to the communities that are most impacted to conduct the studies. It's not the traditional way that research is done. Typically, you have your academic researchers who are sort of um, what has been called over the years parachuting 
um, into communities and gathering data, gathering information on specific populations, but not really engaging those populations to really ask them the question from the start of like what's most meaningful for them and their communities. And so um, I was able to bring to PTBI this concept of research justice. And research justice was first coined by the data center. Um, The data center was a technical assistance provider in Oakland, California, and worked with a number of groups to conduct uh, community-based participatory research. I worked directly with the data center um, while employed with the Young Women's Freedom Center. And we basically worked with young women who were formerly incarcerated, who were coming out of um, the underground street economy on a participatory action research project. And um, just looking at a number of issues there, but was able to lean on data center um, for their principles around community-based participatory action research. And really, uh, CBPR is really about centering the communities that are most impacted. And traditionally in the academic spaces, what we call the ivory tower, um, most people believe that because of the degrees that they have, that they know best for the community and because of the position and the power that they hold. And so CBPR or CBPAR really turns that on its head and says, you know, community members are experts. Um, BIPOC communities are positioned as researchers rather than the objects of research and inquiry. Um, BIPOC communities already have the capacity to conduct critical and systemic inquiry um, into their own lived experiences. And really centering BIPOC folks' knowledge and expertise um, will really counter that dominant cultural narrative um, that centers like our communities as having deficits as opposed to um, these strengths. This is a strength-based model. And so we started at PTBI with developing the Community Advisory Board, and I was able to invite Alexis to that opportunity, along with a number of other folks um, who've been on the ground in community doing really amazing work for Black birthing folks and, and families. And it's just been a really beautiful um, process to watch unfold. Um, we first came in as sort of the Black sheep within the institution. And now you're seeing it become very normalized and actually beginning to get very well funded to do this work. I would just challenge folks to think about who we are still centering and leading that work um, because we still to this day don't see that same level of equity with BIPOC community folks like engaging. I think PTBI were really clear about making sure people are remunerated for their time, that their expertise is lifted up by putting them on the papers that we write, the academic papers they're on there, which is a very unusual thing for academic institutions, um, and also centering folks as co-investigators or even at times principal investigators on these studies, which was really not heard of. For the those of us in our audience who aren't familiar with sort of um, how biomedical research goes and the PI-COI model, can you just say a little bit about what a PI is and what a COI is and, you know, who those people traditionally are and how they get their funding and why that might be a barrier to including more voices and communities in research? Yeah, from what I've learned over the six years that I've been with um, UCSF, um, really being able to secure what we call this soft funding, it's sort of like, it's something that our academic researchers it's how they, it's their bread and butter, basically. And traditionally, um, I would say your principal investigator will be someone with, you know, at a doctoral level in their academic career. They've, you know, worked on a number of different uh, traditional research studies. And um, a principal investigator, typically, we see that it's white men um, that tend to dominate the space. Um, it's very challenging what we've seen over the years at UCSF for BIPOC folks, particularly Black women, to be able to get that same level of um, investment and respect in the space. And so 
that's what I've learned over the years being at uh, UCSF at a very um, prestigious academic institution is that traditionally the whole model of biomedical research is really led by white men. It's really led by this um, soft funding environment that's very competitive. And because of that competition, um, you don't see folks as often um, in past years traditionally pause and say, how do we actually respect the communities that we're um, studying and lift up their expertise? Often it's that folks are sort of moving through these projects and identifying funding because it's it's their bread and butter. It's how folks fund their percentages of their salary. And oftentimes folks don't put the resources needed in their budgets um, for community engagement. And it's sort of thought of as an afterthought, as opposed to starting with community engagement from the very start of the research study. It would be great to get examples, two or three, of how what this community engagement looks like. How is the community getting very directly involved um, and being included in the work? Yeah, we have some great examples. I would say our community advisory board, which is our largest, I would say, community engagement investment for the preterm birth initiative has been the heart of the work that we do because they are involved in every aspect of research, everything from the research prioritization process that Alexis described, where, you know, community was actually consulted on what is the priority for our research that we're conducting, like what should we actually focus on as it relates to preterm birth, all the way through to writing it up in an academic journal and and involving community members in that process. So CAB members will do everything from consultation, you know, emphasizing like the understanding they have of their community and really leveraging that to conducting their own research, which is what we talked about, community-based participatory action research, is really allowing community access to the tools to actually conduct their own studies. So everything from that uh, CBPR to uh, consultation to building capacity of researchers um, to engage with um, BIPOC communities. I would say the CAB has really done all of it in terms of really doing that research differently. We also have a cohort of community members um, that we've engaged over the years as our community scientists that we call our Benioff Community Innovators. And in San Francisco, they conducted a study on the uh, relationship between preterm birth and housing insecurity, which we know is a huge issue in San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, the cost of housing here is extremely high. And we were hearing in the community that, you know, moms were basically couch surfing, sleeping in their cars, living in tent encampments and all the the whole gamut of housing insecurity and homelessness. And so with that um, assessment, those community members did using quantitative and qualitative methods, they were able to take that information and advocate for policy change in San Francisco. And we've been able to really move um, the mayor's office and the Department of Housing and Homelessness to really look at how they're prioritizing um, pregnant people and families with young children for housing assistance, which has been really, really phenomenal. And um, yeah, I would say that, you know, what we try to do is center community and give them the tools to conduct the research from start to finish. This centering work um, is especially important for PTBI, I think. And I'm wondering, Alexis, if you could walk us through why PTBI's, you know, mission is especially um, tied into this new approach and explain the problem a bit for the audience. So um, PTBI is specifically doing research around preterm birth. um, And through that research, come to the realization that 
the Black community, at least here in the United States, the Black community is the most affected in experiencing preterm birth, prematurity, and having infants in the NICU at a disparate rate way higher than other groups. And so we know that um, if we focus in on the group that's most impacted, then we can apply those methods to everyone that's impacted. The other thing, other conclusion we've come to through our research is that structural racism is a root cause of these disparities. The experiences that you have as a Black person in the United States directly impact your birth outcomes um, in a variety of ways. One could be interpersonal, just in the delivery room with people having antiquated views about Black people and our pain tolerance, right? Like that comes out of the period of time when we were enslaved and they were teaching doctors that Black people have a higher pain tolerance. And that, unfortunately, that belief still permeates through medical schools today and through care. We see that we see it in all aspects of health, but we're happy to be focused on maternal child health here at PTBI. And then also structural, right? Like if you're experiencing racism, nervous about police brutality, are in a certain socioeconomic space because of what your race is excluded from traditionally, um, all those things are stressful, right? So while you're pregnant, you're going through not only the average typical stress that any woman would go through, but as a Black person or a Black birthing person, you are experiencing the stress of racism. And that could come through living in a food desert, lack of transportation, being excluded from a job opportunity. And so we recognize that PTBI, that we have to have approaches that center Black birthing people and their experiences and talk to them about what it is that they need, right? Instead of us deciding, oh, if we create this intervention, we'll do this, or oh, we can do this. We actually engage the community of people that are affected because they know what they need. They just need the resources and opportunities to make those things happen. And so we really uplift community and focus on what the community needs and desires are around solving this issue. One beautiful thing that has come out of that is that aside from our research, the community told us loud and clear, we need a campaign so people even know this is an issue. Nobody knows that preterm birth is an issue. It happens so commonly that people think that's just the norm. You know, even I could say for myself um, as a parent, I didn't like you get to the end of the pregnancy. You're like, what? Am, OK, I need to hurry up and get this baby out. <laughs> so what am I going to do? And we all have friends and family that had babies early. So it's just the norm. Even thinking about the time that I worked at Black Infant Health and we have prenatal groups, people would make those comments. And even as staff, we didn't have the knowledge base to say, no, it's really best for 40 weeks. We're in there with them. Oh yeah, I use castor oil or, you know, so people are not even educated that this is actually a problem because it happens so commonly in our community. So the Voices for Birth Justice campaign was was birthed out of the community saying, we need a campaign, right? So they knew what they needed. They just needed the resources put behind it to make it happen. And so that's one thing that um, was really community driven that we have going on. It's check it out on Instagram if you get a chance, but it is uplifting people that are working on this issue or people with lived experience of color whose voices are often missing from the conversation around this issue as well. I think it's also worth noting that when you're looking at Black maternal mortality or preterm birth rates, whatever anyone was doing before wasn't working. Exactly. I mean, the, the efforts to improve these outcomes and the rates of poor outcomes um, haven't been effective. I'm right on that. You're absolutely right on that. I would say, um, although, I mean, preterm birth and infant mortality are super connected, but 
in that infant mortality space at the time. They might be going on 40 years now, but Black Infant Health had been around for 30 years. And obviously, whatever they were decided that they needed to do was not changing the data, right? So it's time to take a new approach instead of people at leadership levels in the state or the hospital or research making decisions for community. We knew we had to do something different. And so now it was time to get the community to tell us what needed to be done to solve the issue and for us to go ahead and resource trust in them, resource them, and not think that we knew better for people what they needed than they know for themselves. I'm really struck by the research justice framework and the disconnect between kind of the traditional ways in which we talk about research ethics and how far apart they are. Um, So, you know, and I'm wondering what advice you have to sort of advance these conversations. It, It sort of feels like where we are in law and policy around research is so much about like, well, consent. Well, we didn't really consent people uh, appropriately in Tuskegee and share results. And that was the problem. We just need to shore up this like informed consent model. And what research, what I'm hearing you say about research justice is that it is way before that. It is as we're formulating research questions, trying to center and figure out what are the research questions that are important to community, having community lead that development. And so, you know, what are ways you you mentioned earlier, Alexis, that you've seen more interest in this recently? And I'm wondering what you think is behind that and what you think it would take to have this model of research expand uh, and, and permeate academia further. Well, I'd like to believe that, you know, people are interested because they want to do the right thing and they want to do research in the right way and and also are realizing that the traditional ways have not worked, that these populations are still experiencing these adverse disparate outcomes and that people are realizing coming to the awakening that what they're doing is not working and it's time to try something else. And then looking to PCBI as a model and seeing all the things that we've been able to do over the past seven, eight years with the community. I don't think there's a more lively engaging campaign to come out of the university, you know, (laughs) aside from Voices for Birth Justice. So like you have to recognize that. And it's not PTBI's brainchild. That's the community's brainchild, right? Like all we did was give the resources to make it happen. But these are their ideas. This is the information that they want put out and it's well received. I'm sorry, I think there was another part of your question that maybe I'm forgetting the answer. (laughs) No, that's great. Well, I mean, it's really, I think it's helpful for um, researchers to know that PTBI is out there as a model and has some concrete strategies for how to change the way research is conducted and approached. And, you know, one of your strategies is that you pay your board. Um, and I'm wondering if you could say a little bit more about that. Yeah, I will say, and I will pass it actually to Chanel, but I will say, that we're all getting paid to do this. So why would we go into a community and extract their ideas without paying them as well? And I will let Chanel speak a little bit more to that. I think you said that perfectly, um, Alexis, but I would just add that there's this concept that if we're paying community members to participate in studies, that is a form of coercion and um, that we're actually influencing them and what they're, how they're going to respond to the study and their engagement in the study. And I would just push back basically to what Alexis said is that, you know, we're trying to value folks' time and their expertise 
um, just as if we were, you know, valuing the consultants that we often bring in at the university level to do this work for, you know, pretty high fees, right? I mean, to do, to be involved and provide their expertise. I don't see community expertise as being different from that because of the lived experience that folks are bringing to the table. Um, we recognize that lived experience makes the research more relevant and makes it more translatable. And to Alexis's point, we want to do good in our community and address these outcomes. So this is what it should be about is actually making a change. And I think I would just kind of add that TBI is also now, because of the amount of requests we've gotten for advice or consultation, starting to offer technical assistance to groups that want to know, like, how do I engage community in my research? How do I start a community advisory board? What are the potential lessons learned that you all can share with me so I don't have to start from scratch as I'm doing this process? And so I think that that is, um, you know, it's beautiful to me because it lets me know that there is a shift in change at its beginning stages happening in research and that people are recognizing that, you know, the onus is on all of us to fix the issue. I think in the past, what I've seen when it comes to issues that Black birthing people are experiencing at higher rates is that people often want to like, okay, what intervention, what can they do? Like point the finger at the Black birthing person to say, you need to do this. You need to go in prenatal care. You need to know how to advocate for yourself. You need to know how to, you know, and like point the finger. But I think now people are seeing that this is all of our issue to work on, especially when we recognize racism as the root cause. And so how do I now do my research right so that I'm doing it right and I'm informing policy, right? People use research to inform policy. I'm making sure that I'm doing my research right and informing policy in the right way so that it actually makes changes for the people that are most affected. Along those lines of policy, Chanel, you had mentioned, you know, sort of the PI model and the way that soft funding sort of creates this environment that disincentivizes and actively excludes community. And I'm wondering, you know, if you, what would you tell funders who are listening, who are interested in helping to reshape research in a research justice model? Yeah, no, thank you so much, Sarah, for that question. I feel that this environment of competition as it relates to creating social change is really the center of what we're talking about in this environment. I think just really looking at the roots of how academia was, you know, started and just who was able to have access and just how that has changed over time. I think we're kind of at a, a reckoning in a number of ways um, for these issues, whether that be a racial reckoning, but also like an expertise sort of reckoning and reframing who are the experts. And so I would say to funders really to look at how they fund and the mechanisms for funding, are they incentivizing community engagement? And I know that we've actually seen some, some shifts in that area where monies are coming out from the university actually to um, support investigators to really focus in on providing opportunities for community to engage in their studies. And so I think it's really about identifying that as a requirement within um, funding for research. So if you're going to fund any study, it needs to have a community engagement component. And it need, that community engagement component should be meaningful and it should actually really lift up the leadership of community, the communities that are affected. And so I think it's really about funders asking themselves, how do we create lasting social change? If we are just funding on a whim and not really thinking about how this funding is going to really um, have an impact on these communities, the target communities, then, you know, I think that's that's something that needs to be, you know, talked about because this is not what we're hearing from our funders. We hear from funders that 
They want to see change. They want to see real outcomes and have tons of metrics and, and ways of measuring that. And I think that community engagement needs to be a, a metric that's integrated into all funding decision as it relates to research from NIH all the way down to private funding. I think hearing about the work of PTBI has to be inspiring. It inspires me. And I am wondering if a listener wants to get involved, you know, an interest in learning more about the model. Are there resources or ideas for getting involved that you have to share? Well, I think there are a multitude of ways that you can get involved with us. Uh, for people that may have like a research idea or question um, that they want to propose, there's a method of funding called Wrap the resource allocation program. You do have to be paired up with an investigator that's based at UCSF, but that's something that if you go on our website, get our email, shoot us an email, we can help connect you to a researcher. Um, if you had a proposal that you wanted to work on in that way, you can go to our Instagram, Voices for Birth Justice. Um, you can send a message or email there if you're interested in being featured or want to start writing like some type of blog. We also, particularly for students, um, we have different projects that we work on that are contracts through PTBI. We have a public policy program. We work with public health students. So there's ways that you can email and let us know that you want to be involved in that. Um, we just want to be in the know and get some information. You can join our listserv and get our newsletter. Um, you can join our collaboratory, which is a monthly event that we host, and you can get information and be engaged around the research in that way. They're also through Chanel's community engagement. There is the community advisory board. Um, we recruit at particular times of year, but you can always send an email to say, hey, the next time can I get the information? There's also the Benioff Community Innovators, which we didn't talk much about, um, but there, that is also a way that you can get engaged with us to actually do some CBPR if you're interested in learning how to do research and how to become a researcher. Yes, yes. We're currently, um, we have a cohort that's active right now in Oakland. We have some, and we're going to be looking at a policy intervention for Oakland. And so if folks want to be involved in that work, to Alexis's point, please just join our listserv. And we can also share our emails for anyone that wants to follow up with, the, with us in terms of this model or in terms of any um, opportunities we have, our events or our policy advocacy that we're doing, um, I would just say to email us. Um, you can also check out our website. Um, we have a lot of information on our website and a lot of opportunities that are available on the website. We will share all the links and resources in our episode notes, but just to give your website right now, it's preterm-birth-ca.ucsf.edu. Just so we hand that out now, but it'll all be on the website. I think um, if there's one thing I want to add that I think I didn't get to say about community engagement, it starts, you know, from the beginning all the way to the end of research and also at all levels. So while we did talk about the community advisory board and how the initiative is being advised by community, I also want to highlight that the initiative recognizes that community needs to also be at the table internally, right? So we have a Black woman from the community running the community engagement aim, and we now have Black women in the executive leadership team making decisions for the organization as a whole. So I think that that's also important. It's not just about having an advisory board or engaging with community, but it's about truly partnering and bringing the community into your organization 
to help with strategy, logic, and how to run the show. So I just wanted to also make sure that we highlight that it doesn't stop at just having an advisory board. Fantastic. Well, Chanel, Alexis, thank you so much um, for this really inspiring introduction for, I think, many of our listeners to the concept of research justice and what that concretely looks like and the work that your organization is doing. We really appreciate you taking the time today and, and thank you for your work. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. For resources and info related to this episode, and to listen to other episodes, please visit uchastings.edu forward slash health and justice. Thank you for tuning in to Contraindicated. 